Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. We hope it's not a manic Monday for you, but it is Monday. If you're listening today, this show is uploaded. This is episode number 1,632. She is my manic person. The only one I will associate with right next to me. Kimmy, I got one name. Kimmy. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi there. I'm your host, Patrick Riley. Riley, Riley, what a fam. That is me, and right next to me is somebody who, well, she is my right hand, even though for some reason she's sitting on my left side. She's also a little... She's in the studio. That is Kimmy. I mean, that's why it's sort of like bright in here now. It's kind of dark, but you come in the studio. It's sort of like the sun off the box of Raisin Bran. <laughs> that's you. Yeah, that's and, me. Yeah, yeah, that is Kimmy. She <laughs> is sunshine, especially on a Monday. How's Monday treating you so far, Kimmy? Well, so far, so good. That's right. And thank you for checking us out on this Monday. If you're listening on a Monday, as a matter of fact, you can listen to this episode any day of the week. So you might be listening on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The day doesn't really matter when you listen. matter of fact, you can listen every single day to something brand new because we have new episodes every day. It's all about pop culture talk. That's what the Riley and Kimmy show is. And we have a heavy emphasis on the world of nostalgia and retro, and we spotlight something from the golden age of radio with every single episode of the Riley and Kimmy show. You might be surprised what we have today. Kimmy, it might be kind of surprising. Yeah? Because you don't have a script. Now, I want to do a behind-the-scenes thing. There's no script, right? No, no, no. It's totally improv, correct? That's right. So Kimmy has no idea what we have planned for a golden age of radio spotlight. So uh, stick around with us for that. And take us to work with you. Tell your friends you can take us to work, take us anywhere. You know, we help with that commute. If you have a long commute, if you happen to be in Florida, you know that I, I-4 thing or I-95, uh, they can be a bear. I-75, well, we're here for you. Or if you're upstate somewhere on I-95 or maybe in the Midwest, like in Chicagoland or somewhere else, yeah, traffic can be a bear. Mm. Or let's don't forget Atlanta, anywhere like that, <laughs> we're here to help. Right, Kimmy? That's right. Day or night, 24-7, you can find archived episodes on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Also, there are platforms to easily listen to us any any time of day or night. 
anywhere like iHeartRadio, iTunes, or SoundCloud. Also, celebrity interviews we've done, videos, pop culture stories, and social media links. Please help the show grow. That's right. Follow us on uh, anything and everything. Also, find out where we'll be appearing next via Twitter and Facebook and chances to win, things like that. And where can you find all those links and more, Kimmy? At RileyandKimmy.com Find archive podcasts of The Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com I'm Patrick Riley. I'm Kimmy. We're The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. We're available for your next event in Florida. Please consider The Riley and Kimmy Show for your pop culture or nostalgia-based events. Art shows. Exhibitions. Festivals. Grand openings. Home and garden shows. Car shows. Collectible shows. Conventions. Animal and pet-related events. Let us promote your event with customized commercials and interviews. Live on-site promotions and podcasts. Please contact us on Facebook Messenger. All communications kept confidential. Pop culture escapism. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Shall we play a game? That is the big question on this Monday. Is Kimmy functioning well enough to play pop culture trivia? What? Say you. I think so. Think so? Do you know so? What is I'm it, Kimmy? I'm going to try. All right. The timeline may or may not be in chronological order. That means it may or may not be running linear. It may be all scrambled up or it may not be, Kimmy. We sometimes scramble it up and sometimes we don't. Regardless, help Kimmy out with answers by talking to, whispering to, or if you can get away with it, yelling to whatever computing device you have the Riley and Kimmy show playing on right now. And it could be anything because we are mobile. We are global. You can take us anywhere on planet Earth. And by the way, thank you to some of our new listeners. And seriously, all over planet Earth, we have some brand new ones in, in England and Germany and other parts of the planet. I want to thank everybody who listens to us. I think thank it's kind of cool. You know, yeah. when I started out in broadcasting a long time ago as a teenager at a tiny AM radio station, I was happy that the radio station covered the city I lived in, it didn't get outside of the city limits, oh. the, the, the signal, and uh-huh. and especially at night, because it was an AM and it didn't have full power, what it had during the day, we had to reduce power at night, and what's called a pattern was horrible, so only parts of the city could actually hear it well, very well. I never imagined having listeners on the other side of planet Earth. Mm. I think it's kind of cool. Yeah. And thank you for making that happen as we approach our fifth year of doing the Riley and Kimmy show. That's right. Yeah, year number five. We need to have a celebration going on for that, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Make those plans, Kimmy. You are the event coordinator of the Riley and Kimmy show. Okay. Moving to our very first question for you, Kimmy. Celebrity and notable wedding on this date. It happened. Yes, it did. 1951. An actress marries an actor. Actor. Tony Curtis marries what actress? 1951. Janet Lee. I didn't even have to play an audio clue. No. That's that's really good, Gibby. You you shocked us there with that oh, one. Okay. Who was older, Curtis? Curtis. Or her? Curtis. Yeah, he was twenty six. She was twenty three. 
Impossible Music Trivia. It was on this date, 1963. This group releases their debut single. It charts in Great Britain, but does not chart in the United States. Tell me who it is. Sweets for my sweet, sugar for my honey. Your first sweet kiss thrills me so. Sweets for my sweet, sugar for my honey. I'll never, ever let you go. Uh, my blood sugar is it's rising. It really is. I, I I need to do something about that. Listening to that song, Kimmy, can you tell me who had that song as their debut single? Oh, I don't know. Uh, it's the Searchers. The year's 1963. Impossible music trivia continues. This novelty hit breaks the Hot 100 in 1966. If you can tell us who had this as a number 70 hit. It is amazing. Now, if somebody's listening and will actually admit to knowing this song, please help Kimmy out. I think she needs your help. 1966. This was a number 70 hit on this date. While Gotham City sleeps, Batman's grandmother is being kidnapped by the arch-criminal known as... The Green Beret. Commissioner Gordon dials the secret number of the Batcave. Holy smoke, Batman, they got your grandmother. (laughs) Quick, Robin, to the Batmobile. Great Scott, Batman! Something's heading right for us! Here it comes! I've wrecked the Batmobile. Come here, baby. Scratch my back. No time for that now, Robin. Look, Batman, it's the Green Beret and Grandmother. (laughs) I'll save her, Robin. (laughs) Gee whiz, Batman, what happened? Bang, bang, shut down. Is this the end of Batman? Stay tuned to this record. Uh, no, that's enough. It, it goes on for another about two minutes there, oh, Kimmy. please. Uh, now, it, uh, it's obvious it was writing on the Batmania, you know, the, the huge Batman TV stuff that was happening in 1966. Can you tell me who had that as a sort of hit, number 70? I do not know. Now, that was the grandfather of that style of record. That individual would chart 1975, Kimmy, with a number four hit. Can you tell me what hit he had in 1975, a number four hit, using that style? I can't. We are here on the beach where a giant shark has just eaten a girl swimmer. Well, Mr. Jaws, how was it? And what did she say when you grabbed her? I know sharks are stupid, but what did you think when you took that first bite? How sweet it is. Mr. Jaws, before you swim out to sea, have you anything else to say? With me now is the local sheriff. Sheriff Brody, the shark will be back for lunch. What do you intend to do? Just arriving is oceanographer Matt Hooper. Sir. If someone is attacked by a shark, what should they do? do the we are going aboard the fishing boat of Captain Quint. 
Captain, will you be able to catch this giant shark? Thank you, Captain. Captain, Captain, Captain. When you catch one of these sharks, what do you feel like? Like a rhinestone cowboy. We've just sighted the shark again. He's coming straight for us. Captain Quint is shouting something at him. Get your baby one that is the sample of Mr. Jaws. Have you ever heard that, Kimmy? Oh, that's horrible. Have you ever heard it before? I don't know. <laughs> it did play on radio stations across the country in 1975. It was writing on the Jaws, you know, uh, big uh-huh. thing, the movie. It was number four. That means a lot of people bought it on, you know, to get it number four on the Billboard charts. Wow. That wasn't airplay. That was record sales. Number four. Wow. Dickie Dickie Goodman is a person who did Batman and his grandmother. That's what uh, we started this with. It uh, peaked at number 70 on this date in 1966. And then Mr. Jaws, he would have as a hit October of 1975. It would take, you know, not just the summer. It would be in the fall when that thing would hit. Now, actually, that would start a lot of others, you know, imitations. And he would have other songs that would borderline break into the top 100 he he did between grandma or batman and his grandmother and also jaws and he had others after that as well now i actually owe that because i won an award in elementary school doing parody records like that Hmm. now they weren't on vinyl or anything they were on tape but i assembled my own for a project and it got me interviewed on a local radio station, which is how I eventually got into radio, because I would eventually work. The person who interviewed me got me my first job. Wow. All out of that bizarre Dickie Goodman stuff. Oh, well, you owe him. I guess, or I should curse him. I don't know. <laughs> you know, maybe if I'd had a fascination more with Perry Mason, I would have been in law. Oh, true. You know, it could be. Yeah. All right. It was on this date, Kimmy. It's movie premiere date. Give me the year within two years that this film premiered in the United States. We're going to be fair. We're going to give you a five-year plus or minus buffer. But first, identify the movie. Here is one of its scenes, a little audio from the scene. Listen carefully and then tell us the name of the movie. I will give you this much of an added clue. It is part of a franchise. Here is your clue. Oh, not all at once. Not instantly, to be sure. You see, their young enter through the ears and wrap themselves around the cerebral cortex. Uh, this has the effect of rendering the victim extremely susceptible to uh, suggestion. Later, as they grow, follows madness. Death. These are pets, of course. Not white. Domesticated. Captain Kirk was only doing his duty. Kimmy, can you tell us the name of that movie exactly the title? Star Trek The Wrath of Khan. Khan, bloodsucker. You're going to have to do your own dirty work now. Do you hear me? Do you? Kirk. 
Kirk, you're still alive, my old friend. Still, old friend. You've managed to kill just about everyone else, but like a poor marksman, you keep missing the target. I've done far worse than kill you. I've hurt you. And I wish to go on hurting you. I shall leave you as you left me, as you left her, marooned for all eternity in the center of a dead planet. Buried alive, buried alive. Jimmy, what year did that film premiere? We've given you a plus or minus of five years. Oh. When did it see theaters? When was it shown for the first time? Um, 90? Way off. Uh, 1982 ooh, ooh, is when ooh. that happened. Okay. It's my favorite Star Trek movie of all time. Mm-hmm. It is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Now, I like the reboot. Stuff with some of the reboot, not the third reboot movie, but I like the reboot. I even like its con thing. I can live with both worlds, you know, parallel thing, weird thing, not not timeline corrupted, all that. But I love Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. That is my favorite. Who played Khan? That was uh, Ricardo Montalban. Yes, that's right. He did play Khan. Moving to 1984, this song is released, Kimmy. Identify the song. Give me its title. What is the title? Born in the USA. Who had that as a hit in 1984? Bruce Springsteen. You're right. Staying in 1984, this shared airtime on radio stations across the country. Tell me, who had this song as a hit? It was released on this date. Gimme, who had that as a hit? Sheila E. That's right. Moving to 1992, the post office announced that people preferred one version of a stamp over another of this individual. They preferred either the younger one or the older one. First of all, who's the person? Gimme, I, I don't think you actually needed a clue. Can you tell me who it is? Elvis Presley. Oh, that's right. And which version? Younger Elvis or older Elvis? Which stamp won? Younger. That's right. The year is 1996. The sixth studio album by this band is released. The album's called Load. Here is one of the singles. Tell me the name of the band. Gimme, who is it? Metallica. That's right. Moving to another section of trivia. 
celebrity and notable birthdays. Famous people born on this date in history. 1908, this person was born. Tell me why she is famous. Her name, Rosalind Russell. Uh, she was an actress. Ooh, question mark to that. Are you sure? Uh, no. <laughs> actress? Or was she a singer, Kimmy? Or was she a television news person? Actress. You're sticking with actress. Yeah. That's right. She she was an actress, a big actress, Kimmy. She died 1976 at the age of 69, but born on this date. Next person, actor, born on this date, Kimmy, known for this TV show. Identify the show. Can you tell me the name of that TV show? Hmm. No? Based in Florida, this TV show was, and it had a bear in it. Gentle Ben. Yes. Person born on this date starred on that show. And eventually he would go to this TV show, identify the TV show. What is the name of the TV show? McLeod. You're right. Tell me who was born on this date. Well, suit yourself, but this ain't 42nd Street. Uh, you mount from the left side. Always mount from the left side. He sure has a way with words, doesn't he? All right. Can you tell me who that is? Dennis Weaver. That's right. And here is a fun trivia question about Dennis Weaver. He did star in a action film, the very first film that Steven Spielberg directed, 1971 film. Can you tell me the name of the movie? Duel. That's right. By the way, Steven Spielberg got... Well, he's he was upset about Duel a few years later because after Duel, he would make sure in contracts that he would control all footage that was shot. It could not be used in other projects. If you have a sharp eye, you watch the TV show The Hulk. There's a scene similar to Duel where Bill Bigsby's character, Dr. Banner, is driving a car and there's a big truck hitting him. It's the same kind of truck. And they used footage from Duel in it. And Spielberg was not a happy camper on that. Mm. But you're right about Dennis Weaver. Born on this date, 1924. Next person, Kimmy, identify this voice. And once you have, tell me how old this person is within five years. This person, by the way, has authored approximately 40 books, starred on radio and television. Hello, you're on the air. Number two, Chris, take your time. If I make, may make a suggestion, do not do it late at night. Don't do it when you are tired. Try either in the morning or late morning, sometime during the weekend when the two of you are together, when you feel real good. And then say to yourself, it's all right. I might try it and it might not work the first time. So what? I have a whole lifetime ahead of me, right? You're only 22. Can you identify who that is? Dr. Ruth? Yes. Bonus points if you can tell me Dr. Ruth's last name. Mm, Dr. Ruth Westheimer? Oh, boy. that's on, You are on a roll, Kimmy. How old is she today within five years? 90? You groupie. She's exactly 90 years old. Ooh. And if I remember correctly, Kimmy attended one of her lectures on campus. Did you not? Yes, I did. All right. 
Moving to the next individual. Let's see how good your ear is, Kimmy. Actor born on this date. He did appear like in Alfred Hitchcock's Our TV series multiple times, other TV shows and films, more in the background until 1978 when he well, came more in the forefront. It was his biggest film at that time period, 1978, Coming Home. See if you can identify who it is. He's talking about his early days back in well, about 1978 with this interview. Tell me who it is. I don't know. I'm still looking for the guy that <laughs> he owes me $1,700. Only didn't I get paid, but we were, we made the movie in six days down on Santa Monica, uh, an ex-agent, and they want you to to star in it. And you play a doctor, and so I figured, well, you know, Dr. Kildare was on TV and everything. Then I figured, hey, it's going to be a sympathetic doctor. Well, <laughs> I go down to a work workshop on Santa Monica Boulevard. And there is a guy uh, who owns a couple of horses and is a friend of a jockey's that rode at Hollywood Park. I should have known right away I was in trouble. And he said, this is your director and these are the other people in the cast and we're going to start uh, right after lunch. And it was about 1230. <laughs> and he says, we're going to do this in six days. And uh, we started on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday at noon. The guy came around with the checks and he gave everybody a check for what they were supposed to get. And then we went on working. Well, suddenly, one by one, I would look out, and members of the crew were gone. Well, they were gone to Bank of America at Sunset Doheny, where the checks were. And I was an actor, so I had to still stay there. Well, at 5 o'clock, we finished. I went to the bank. Of course, my check bounced, because the guy wrote $12,000 worth of checks for, on, and deposited only 5000 So that was one time when, if I'd have been a member of the crew, I'd have at least got paid. And, and, and we came back Monday, and no one was there. The place was boarded up. The sheriff had already put it on. <laughs> And, and yet the movie has been on TV and everything, and yet you can't find these people that made it. I can identify with that. Uh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least he got a check, though. Can you tell me, Kimmy, the actor there talking about the early days when uh, he got a bad check? Bruce Stern. That's correct. How old is he today? Within five years. Oh, 82? Why do you know that? That's, really? That's exactly right. Did somebody oh whisper gosh. that to you through the timeline? Or? I don't know. I must be really psychic today. Psycho? Yes, you are. Moving to the next one. Impossible music trivia is involved with this person's birthday because it is a musician. Kimmy, a singer. Born on this date. Charted number one hit on the pop charts and country charts in 1975. See if you can identify who it is. That matters most of all. But if he ever breaks your heart, if the teardrops ever start, I'll be there before the next teardrop falls. 1975 hit. Can you tell me who it is? Mm, no. He charted again in 1975 on both charts. Number one country song. Number eight top 40. Who was born on this date? Wasted days and wasted nights I have left for you behind For you don't belong to me Your heart belongs to someone else Why should I keep loving you? Wasted Days and Wasted Nights, 1975 hit for this person born on this date. Who is it? Charlie Pride? 
That's a very good guess, but no, it's Freddie Fender, born 1937, died 2006 at the age of 69. Next individual, Kimmy, a singer and actress. She started out as a singer, and then she became, well, over the years, into acting, more of an emphasis on acting. And she was a member on this TV show from 1987 until 1993. Identify the show. Can you identify the TV show? Not Slanning? That's correct. She is the last surviving member of this band. Tell me the name of the band. Can you tell me the name of the band? Mamas and Papas. That's correct. And here she is talking about a book she wrote about the Mamas and the Papas. No, he was just being mean. He knew that I was writing the book. I got special permission from John and Denny and Cass's estate to write the book because I didn't want anyone to be upset. If I wrote it, I said, let's do this as a, a, a project that we're all going to be involved with. Great. Go write the book. Yes. And then... He went ahead and made him cut himself a deal, as we say, and uh, went ahead and wrote his own book. And I was furious. But uh, after a while, I, and especially after I read his book, I realized that his is a very different book than mine. She's talking about her ex-husband, John, who wrote a book at the exact same time, released the same time as hers, and it was about the mamas and the papas. Who is she? Michelle Phillips. That's right. How old is she today? Within five years. Um... 68. She's 74. Next person, actor. Known for a show that ran from 1977 to 1979. It piggybacked with another show. They would alternate like on Sundays, but they shared the same theme. Can you tell me the name of the show? This is the guy version of the show, not the girl version that it alternated with. Tell me the name of the show, Kimmy. The Hardy Boys. That's right. The Hardy Boys. He was on it 1977 and 1979. Only 35 episodes were made of The Hardy Boys. He played Frank, Frank Hardy, who is having a birthday today, Kimmy. Get back to the office, call Dad at the hotel, and tell him he's being followed. Callie, he must have said something, even if it didn't seem important at the time. Try to remember. If it didn't seem important at the time, why would I remember? Well, me, Joe, we're just going to have to level with her and tell her what's going on. Yes, what is going on? We don't know. <laughs> Fascinating. Callie, have you noticed how Dad's been acting very suspicious and secretive? Oh, since when is a fishing trip suspicious? We saw him a few hours ago in Emmettville. Well, there must be some mistake. I made reservations for your father at the lake. We called and he was registered. We went over there. Well, there's got to be a reason. It's obviously none of our business. Or at least not mine. Now, look, I finished the letters your dad left for me, and I'd like to lock up and go home. Well, we'll lock up. We want to look around. Night. I think dad was afraid of involving us. And now we know he could be in real danger. Yes, Blackhawk Hotel? Mr. Hardy's room, please. Yes, Hardy. Fenton Hardy. Not when he finds out about the man we saw in his tail. Are you sure? I knew he was there this morning. Yeah, when was that? Okay, thank you. He checked out an hour ago. His dad has a tail. 
Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I didn't. Did you ever watch that show? Mm-hmm. I didn't know his dad had a tail. What, was he a demon or something? Okay, can you tell me who the actor is there? Parker Stevenson. Yes, how old is Parker Stevenson today within five years? 65. He's 66. Did you have his poster in no. your room? You did, did you? No. Did he try to, uh, my knowledge, they didn't try to have him sing and do anything. I don't know. It was the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. The, that one you probably had a poster of. Maybe. Next birthday, Kimmy. Singer celebrating his 57th birthday. He had a number three hit on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1986. Tell me who it is. Can you tell me who that is? Ooh, um, can't think of his name. Sure you can. Come on. Big hit. 1986. You can do it. Nope. Nope. No clue. Nope. All right. Well, it's El DeBarge. Yeah. Remember him? Yeah. You remember El DeBarge? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's having number 5-7 today. 57th birthday. Next individual, actor Kimmy, was part of this TV show from 1994 to 2009. What's the TV show? Can you identify the TV show? ER. That's right, Kimmy. This individual played Dr. John Carter on ER. Who is it? When I got sent the pilot script for ER, I actually thought it was a feature film script because it had been written as a feature film script. And we all watched the pilot over at Eric's house house. And the next day, uh, George called me and told me what the numbers were. And I said, oh, yeah, is that good? And he goes, oh, buddy, you have no idea. That's... That's great. I remember thinking as we were doing it that those long Steadicam shots that incorporated 20 or 30 or 40 people and moved through five or six or seven different rooms was pretty exciting and probably the closest bridge to doing a play with a camera that you could ever get. And we knew when we were doing that 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 was something special. Whether it was seeing the guy that traditionally is always heroic and always saving the day lose the patient in the end, or take a character like me that you would never expect to develop a drug addiction and give him the drug addiction as opposed to another character. Those are the ways that the writers sort of continually redefine the characters and, and uh, uh, defied expectation. Can you tell me who is having a birthday, Kimmy? I can't recall his name. Noah? Noah? Noah. I want to I wanna say Drake. and that's No, <laughs> Noah Drake. That was a... Was that a Oh, no. Dr. Noah Drake from General Hospital. Yeah, okay. Uh, didn't Rick Springfield play that yeah. character? Okay, no, it's Noah Wiley having a birthday today. Yeah. How old is he today? Within five years. Uh, 55. He is 47 today. Next person, actress. She is Hollywood's highest paid actress. Highest paid. We have a clue for you. Hello, boys. You're all wet. But you know I can't resist a bit of fun. Well, I don't know what everybody thinks is down there, but... I think it's the Lunar Temple. It's a temple built by Alexander the Great. Alexander collected treasures from all over the world. He stored them in two places. The majority went to his library in Egypt. But his most prized possessions went here. The Lunar Temple. 
who is having a birthday? Angelina Jolie. Yes, how old is she today? Within five years. 47. She's 43. And who is her father? John Voight. Yes. Judges say you did a fantastic job, Kimmy. Thank you. Especially being a Monday. Yeah. They say you did a fantastic job. We're going to go back in time and honor something we talked about on Trivia for the Golden Age of Radio. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. Radio was We mentioned moments ago that Rosalind Russell, American actress, died on this date in 1976 at the age of 69. She was no stranger to the golden age of radio. We have a fantastic example. This one's titled Consideration. It's from 1950. The plot, a woman suspects her husband is planning to kill her for insurance money. He needs money because of a bad business deal. And actually, he took money from where he works, and there's an audit about to happen. He asks his wife to withdraw $10,000 from their savings account and get him a cashier's check. She admits to him that, well, she has a gambling problem and has spent $20,000, cleaned out the whole savings account. Then, she believes he's going to kill her. Rosalind Russell, Consideration, 1950, on The Riley and Kimmy Show. Well, Gloom, don't I rate a good morning? I'm sorry. Good morning, darling. You know, the Masons have asked us to cocktails tomorrow. I told them I didn't know I'd check with you. Oh, oh, by the way, I'm completely out of aspirin again. Would you mind picking me up a bottle on the way? Charles, you're not reading the paper, are you? No, Ellen, I'm not. Oh, what's the matter? Everything's the matter, darling, everything. What is it? Whatever... Oh, come, dear. Nothing could be as bad as the look on your face. I'm afraid it's worse. Well, dear, what on earth We're can... in bad trouble, honey. Charles, what do you mean? Business has been pretty bad since the war. Our contracts ran out, and so you wouldn't have to go without. I took out a mortgage. Mortgage? On everything. House, car, even your jewelry. I figured on business getting better, but the note came due, so I paid it off. Out of company funds. Oh, don't look... Look at me like that. Tom and I had a Navy contract coming up that would cover it, and I wouldn't have to dip into our savings. With the Navy canceled, and now, next week, the auditors are coming in to examine the books. I have to cover oh, oh, Why didn't you tell me? I, I figure roughly we should have between fifteen and 18000 in the safety deposit box. I want you to go down this morning, take out 10000 put it into a cashier's check, and bring it to my office before 3 this afternoon. Charles, I... I know. All I can say now is that I'm sorry, but, well, just do it, will you, please? Charles, I've got to tell you something. I can't bring the money down to you this afternoon. Honey, you have to. Because... Because there isn't any. What did you say, Ellen? Well, you know how I love to go to the races. You took me to my first one, remember, Charles? We went with Zell and Tom. And, well, you always used to say that if you lose, so what? You'd spend it on a nightclub and you'd hate the floor show, remember? Go ahead. Well, I don't know how it happened. I started betting here at home on the phone and got in deep and began doubling up. Ellen, I'll go to prison if I don't have that money. All I had to catch was one winner. Just one and I've been even. Just one, Charles, but it wouldn't come in. I don't believe you. You couldn't do that to me. Charles. In one month, I'd gone through $22,000, including some money I borrowed from the bank. Charles. 
Charles. I didn't mean to. Oh, Charles, don't hate me. Charles. That night, he didn't come home till very late. Very late. And when he did, he... He was different. He wasn't angry with me. It's all right, darling. Don't you worry. What are we going to do? It won't be so bad. Oh, you can't go to jail. Of course not. Well, uh, have you... Have you worked out something? Everything. Oh, I'm sick. I'm so sorry. What are you going to do? No worrying now. Oh, but I do worry, and I should. Darling, don't work yourself up. I've already made arrangements, and everything's going to be taken care of. Now, take your aspirin and go to bed. Hmm? Aspirin? Even in the midst of all this, you didn't forget. No, Ellen. I'm never going to forget anything that will make you rest easier. From then on, he began to work a great deal at night. Work for hours alone in his little laboratory that he had built out there in the garage. I could feel a tension mounting inside me. Building and building and building till my nerves became so taut that I couldn't sleep. The least sound awakened me. One night in particular, I thought I heard the muffled whine of a dog in our backyard. We had a high wire fence completely enclosing our grounds. It would be impossible for any animal to get in. I raised up on one elbow, listened intently. There it was again. I got up and went to the window. Saw nothing. There was no reason to arouse Charles. He'd worked late out there again. I slipped on a robe and went down the stairs. I opened the back door. Then again. This time it was distinct. There was no doubt. It was coming from the laboratory. I walked across the yard to the garage and waited. There were no more sounds. As I reached for the latch, I noticed that my hands were wet. And then I stopped. There was a new lock on the laboratory door. In the practical light of the next day, I convinced myself that I had a very bad dream and that I'd better watch my nerves. That evening, Charles brought home a dinner guest, Bill Dover, an old friend of the family and our insurance agent. After dinner, Bill leaned back with a cigar. Well, how about it? What, Bill? The insurance, darling. He's talking about increasing our policies. Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe sometime... You've come a long way. Your standard of living is higher. If something should happen to either of you... Well, maybe things seem more prosperous than they are. Right now, I don't think we can even... Well, let him talk, Ellen. But you... You see, we have a new family plan, talking to Chuck about it this afternoon, where both of your policies could be increased to 30,000 apiece. In other words, trebled. Why, your premiums would only be twice what you're paying now. We can't afford anything like that right now. Don't you agree, dear? If there's anything we can afford, it's this. We've discussed it before. Right up the papers, Ben. Oh, well, as the fellow says, I just happen to have them here in my briefcase. This is very wise. But now, please, wait a minute. No, I don't mean it as a salesman. Insurance is always a wise investment. Security. It isn't pleasant, but... Should something happen to either of you, the other would receive $30,000. That's security. I watched with a sort of numb helplessness as Bill filled out the papers. Charles signed his name and handed them to me. He looked at me. And then he lowered his eyes. 
I looked down at the application form that he put into my hand. It was a mass of fine prints, all those clauses. But one word jumped up at me. One word that stood out as if it were printed in bold type in big letters. The word was murder. I found myself reading, Suicide by the insured within two years. Following date policy is in effect, voids all claims. Murder insured by beneficiary or any party connected in a fraudulent manner with beneficiary in said murder voids all claims. Any fraudulent act. 30,000. Well, Helen, sign it. Yes. Yes, of course. That night, Charles did something I'd never known him to do before. He got drunk. Bill left, finally, about midnight. And I got Charles upstairs somehow. I helped him out of his clothes, and he stumbled into bed and fell into a troubled sleep. I reached down and picked up a letter that had fallen out of his pocket. The letterhead said the city health department. Office of the veterinary surgeon. Dear Mr. Forrester... The autopsy you requested to be performed on your dog revealed no trace of poison any place in his system. Blood and all organs seem normal. Therefore, it is the belief of this office that your dog died of natural causes, probably a hidden heart ailment, and that there are no grounds from this examination to be suspicious of your neighbor. Sincerely yours, Dr. Lois Morrill, examiner. there over my sleeping husband. All these terrible words that I'd heard and seen tonight. Fraud, beneficiary, autopsy, murder, and two other words that Charles was mumbling in his sleep. $30,000. The next morning I woke with a frightful sense of lurking danger. Charles was up and gone. There was a note that said, Sorry, darling. As I got out of bed, I stepped on something cold. It was a key to a padlock. The key to the new laboratory. I went out there. I stood in the tiny room, a maze of odd-shaped bottles, test tubes, and boxes. I was about to leave when my hand brushed against the side of an old steamer trunk. It was ice cold and damp. It was locked, and I couldn't force it open. So I called a locksmith and he came over. I'm going to have it open in a minute. Please hurry. You just slip this little rod in like this. A little turn and... Don't open it. Well, I thought you wanted me... No, no. Just open the lock. Don't lift the lid. Well, I can't very well... Don't lift the lid! There. Hey. You always keep dead guinea pigs in trunks? Oh, uh, no. It, uh, it was just part of an experiment. What killed him? There ain't a mark on him. Well, uh... The experiment. Give me my money. Yes, yes, of course. Thanks. After the locksmith left, I forced myself to look through the trunk. Nothing else in it. Nothing but a few pieces of wrapping paper. Wrapping paper with the words, Frozen Carbonic Company. Dry ice. Printed on it. Dry ice. A guinea pig. A dog. A dog. I got in the car and went to our doctor's office. 
Dr. Hansen might tell me. Here you are, Ellen. I'll sit down here. Thank you. Now, what's our trouble, Ellen? Jay, maybe I'm being silly. Oh, nothing silly if it worries you. Well, Charles has been puttering around his laboratory. You know how he does. Mm -hmm. And he's been doing some experimenting with... with dry ice. And I... I've heard some things about it. Oh, what kind of things? Well, that it... that it was dangerous... Say, if left in a closed room, it might even kill a person. Oh, now listen. Of all the chemicals he plays around with, dry ice is the least of your work. Would it kill a person? Oh, really? Well, would it? Well, I, I suppose it would. It evaporates into carbon dioxide gas, would actually cause suffocation. Heart would go. There, there wouldn't be any trace of poison in the system. It would seem like natural causes. Eh, what's that? And then, then if it evaporated, there wouldn't be anything left, like water. No way to know. Nothing to trace. Uh, what are you driving at? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm upset. I guess you're right. <laughs> I am being silly. Oh, now, look, Ellen. Charles is really a brilliant man. He knows exactly what everything he experiments with can do. Yes, yes of course. Of course. <laughs> ah, you didn't sleep well again last night, did you? No, no, I... I'll take two of those sleeping tablets and get to bed early. Sleeping tablets? Oh, the ones I gave Charles for you. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. That night I sat in the upstairs den Read until my eyes burned Without having the least idea what was written in the book An hour passed by Two Three There were no more sounds coming from the bedroom Charles was asleep I wanted to sleep myself Desperately I had to sleep But I wouldn't go into that room with him I remember hearing the clock in the living room strike three. The night breeze shake loose a shutter downstairs. The distant cry of a tomcat and then... Unmistakably, I sensed a chill coming over the room. Surrounding me. A pale light was filtering through the Venetian blinds. Morning was near. The room was like ice. Ice! Asleep. I just brought a blanket for you. I thought maybe you were cold. No, I, I... You've been dreaming. Now, there. I don't want a blanket. All right. Here, take these. Take what? A couple of your aspirin. Here. No. No! No, I don't want them! I apologized an hour later for getting so upset. I even made coffee for him before he left for work. I was wary now, you see. It was far better not to let him know that I'd found out. Then I'd have the advantage on him. And he wasn't able to deny it and change his tactics. So now I held the advantage and I... I... Hello, darling. Surprise. Oh, Charles. You're home early. Well, don't look so disappointed. Expecting the ice man? <laughs> look. What is it? Open it up. An orchid. It, it's beautiful. Not half as beautiful as my lovely wife. And that ain't all. More? Lots. Tonight, my darling, we're going out. Dinner at the plaza, the show at the Green Hat, the gypsy violinist at Little Asia, and champagne. Nothing but champagne. All the champagne we can drink. 
We're going to pack into this night everything you've ever wanted, ever loved, all the places we used to go. Tonight's yours. Why, Charles? Why? Well, does there have to be a why? Usually. Not with this husband. Well, I mean, I you don't You deserve think... it. That's enough. Now, upstairs and into your best. Tonight's the night. We started on the merry-go-round, but all that I could think of was, tonight is the night. We went to all those places. Charles laughed a lot, but there was something horrible in the back of his eyes. They didn't laugh. It was very late when we got home. There was one of those notices on the door you get when a telegram has been delivered and no one was home to receive it. He called Western Union, listened while they read it to him, and then he put his coat back on came over and put his arms around me. Ellen, there's a new contract that came in this afternoon. I've got to go down to the office. But it's nearly three in the morning. I'll call you when I get there. Well, if you have to. It's a rush deal, and I've got to figure out a formula so the boys can work on it in the morning. So, go to bed, darling. Western Union, please. Just a moment. Western Union. This is Mrs. Charles Forrester, 1552 Carlton Manor Way. You sent a wire that was just read over the phone. My husband wanted me to get the exact wording. Would you read it again, please? One moment, please. Here it is. Go ahead. Charles, tried reaching you by phone. Auditor still working on books. Call office immediately. Signed, Tom. Thank you. The auditors were still working on the books. Charles's boss was trying to contact him. Well, Charles wasn't worried. He'd have the missing money and a little extra besides. The difference between $30,000 and... Hello? Hello, darling. How do you feel? All right. I called to tell you that I wouldn't be home until very late tonight. Maybe not even until tomorrow. Something came up at the office and I'll have to drive out of town. Oh? Now I want you to go to bed. I will. You haven't had a good night's sleep in a week and I'm worried about you. Take a couple of aspirin and hit the hay. Why don't you sleep in the upstairs den and I won't wake you if I should have All to. right. Promise. Promise. Bye, darling. Goodbye. Tonight's the night. Yes, of course, he wouldn't be home when it happened. He'd be out of town. But then what? Where would it come from? Oh, my head was aching so that I could hardly see. I took three aspirin and sat down to wait for him. Hello? Is Charles Forrester there? Well, uh, who's calling him? Well, I'm terribly sorry to bother you at this hour, but I'm not sure that this is the Forrester I want. Uh, this is the Frozen Carbonic Company. You wouldn't know whether your Mr. Forrester ordered some dry ice for tonight. Well, why? Well, the plant's shutting down for the night, and this fellow made such a fuss about it, said it was so important that uh, I wanted to make sure he found it. He said for us to leave it on the back ramp, but he hasn't picked it up yet. I guess he'll find it all right. You, uh, you must have the wrong Forrester. Oh, I'm sorry to bother you. 
the upstairs den. That's why he wanted me to sleep there. A small room where dry ice could do its suffocating faster, more surely, more believably. And realizing it, why wasn't I excited? My heart wasn't beating fast anymore. In fact, I felt quite cool. Drowsy. Drowsy. I, I shook my head. Oh, it still ached, the aspirin. Why hadn't it stopped my headache? I'd, I'd have to take two more. I started to the medicine cabinet. I... I couldn't walk straight. I opened the cabinet and got out the bottle of aspirin. I'd already taken five. Why didn't they? No. No. They weren't aspirin at all. They were sleeping tablets. He tricked me. I'd been drugged. I had to run. Stop him. I was helpless. He won. I got to keep awake. Got to... Yes? Hello, uh, Ellen? Yes, who is this? Uh, this is Tom. Where's Charles? Well, isn't he there? He said he was going to the office. Oh, no, I've been trying to get him all night. Even sent a wire. Oh, no. <laughs> now, Ellen, things aren't as bad as all that. Look, I've known you for 20 years. Think I haven't made mistakes you're wrong. I knew he took that money months ago, and I, I figured it must have been for a pretty good reason. All I wanted was for Charles to tell me about it. Well, I, I've already made up for it out of my own pocket, and, well, you and Chuck can pay me back whenever you can. He's much more valuable to me than a few dollars. Well, do you hear me, Ellen? Yes. Yes, Tom, I hear you. He doesn't know that, does he? It's all right. It's all all right. That's why I wanted him to come down. All he had to do was ask me. Well, after all, that's what friends are for, and... Oh, God, this stuff. Now, you, I got this you, you go to sleep, Ellen. We'll get it all straightened out in the morning. Uh, give Zell a ring one of these days. She's home a lot, and maybe you Sleep, two could... yes. Thank you. Thank you. It's all right. I've got to tell him. I've got... Information. What... What is the number of the frozen carbonic company, please? Just a moment. It is in your directory. The number is L4-4892. Thank you. Um, four, four, eight, nine, nine, two, two. Rosen Company. Hello. This, this is Mrs. Forrester. Yes? My husband is coming down to pick up some dry ice from you. I want you to tell him that I called and said, Everything was all right. Un understand? Well, lady, your husband picked up the dry ice about 20 minutes ago. Hello? Hello, Mrs. Forrester? I... I hear you. If he comes back, I'll... Bill. 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 I'll be home, sir. Well, this is Ellen. Is Tom home? No, he's still at the office, she says. No matter. I I want you to talk to me. Ellen, do you know what time it no is? No matter what happens, keep talking. Don't let me go to sleep. Is it a game? Say, are you all right? Please, just talk. Tell me what you've been doing. 
tell me everything you did today. Oh, I had a terribly fascinating day. I got up at 8 and made Tom's breakfast. I got Lola off to school, and at 10.30, I dusted and vacuumed the living room. Then at 12, uh, how are we doing? Ellen? Oh, Ellen. Ellen! Ellen. Ellen. Wake up, Ellen. Charles. No, no, no. It's Tom, Ellen. What? Tom, Chuck's boss. Phil, what are you doing here? Well, you fell asleep while I was talking to you. I tried to call you back. Then when Tom got home, I told him about it. Well, that can wait, Zell. Listen, I have to talk fast. Are you awake now, Ellen? Yes, yes, go ahead. Well, look, Charles is downstairs. I brought him home. He doesn't know anything about our conversation last night. And he doesn't want you to know that he wasn't at the office. Have you got it? Where was he? Well, the police picked him up in his car. I went down to the station and got him. He was so groggy they thought he was drunk. Crazy guy had taken a couple of sleeping pills, put off to the side of the road, and gone to sleep. They noticed his car because the windows were frosted up. Frosted up? Yes, yes, all frosted on the outside. The cops couldn't understand. Oh, Come in, Charles. Come on, let's go, Zell. Yeah, sure. Hello, darling. $30,000. You wanted me to have the money. And you were going to die hush, for the... darling, hush. It just seemed the only way to make things right. Oh, it could never be right without you. Oh, Ellen, I love you. I know, darling. I know. Suspense. Tonight's star, Rosalind Russell, with John McIntyre as Charles. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y. And Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.